0: Alright, uh, if you guys could, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Just mark your place in there, and then we'll get to the uh, balloons that were handed out. Everybody have a balloon? I don't, uh, I don't think there were enough. I actually prayed for it just a few seconds ago, and I felt good about it. There you go. Good, man. I just want God to keep your place healed and hand and try to give me more good more good thoughts. Well, you'll get plenty tonight from the Word. That's where we're going to be. <laughs> alright, raise your hand if you need a balloon huh? yeah. We might run out It's alright guys, it's alright Ephesians chapter 4 And we'll get there in a minute Alright, so you guys all have a balloon So Give me some uh, interesting facts about balloons. Tell me about them. Jack. SpongeBob stole one. All right. Very interesting. Thank you, Jack. Anybody else have an actual interesting fact? They're elastic. They're elastic. Okay. What, what does that mean? So you, how, how do they stretch out? What do you do? You blow them up. Okay. So let's all blow up our balloons. Oh, I There's also a symbol of childlike innocence and, you know, good tiny. Do not tie them. I want you to hold them. If you tied them, that's okay. I can still use that, but I don't want everybody to tie them. You guys, man, it's like being back in junior high. They're balloons. You guys ever been to a birthday party? You can't blow it up. That's good. We can use that, too. We can use all these different struggles that you guys have. All right, so if you guys have blown your balloon, tell me something about your balloon. So you blew it up. What happens when you blow up a balloon? Alright, here we'll we'll do it this way. We'll we'll have you guys raise your hand. What happens when you blow up a balloon? It gets, it gets fat. What happens if you keep blowing it up? It pops. It pops. Why does it pop? It contains too much air. It contains too much air. There's too much stuff for it to contain. What, what happens what happens is it gets smaller. It starts becoming harder to pop, right? So as it gets bigger, it starts becoming tighter, a little more fragile, right? It can become easier to pop. So now I want to paint a picture for you, okay? So the more air you put into this, the more fragile, the more volatile, the more sensitive this balloon becomes, okay? Come on, ladies, come on. You got the balloon blown up now, here we go. So you blow it up, it becomes more sensitive. You put too much into it, it pops. Now, I want to paint a spiritual picture with that, okay? So what did Rick talk about last week? Bitterness. Bitterness, Okay? So think about bitterness. When you take on bitterness and bitterness and bitterness and bitterness and anger and malice and hate, and you don't deal with it, what happens when you take on more and more and more and more and more? You, you end up exploding. So think about it with a balloon. All right, let's, let's tone it down. Let's tone it down. Think about it with a balloon. So say air is the hate, it's the bitterness, it's the malice, it's the anger. You get to a point, that's terrified me. You get to a point where you just explode. If you don't deal with it, if you let that stuff come into your life, come into your life, come into your life, it festers, it festers, and then all of a sudden, one, I mean, it didn't, it didn't take much more air. Just one little, that little last blow went kaboom, and it went everywhere. How do you remedy that? How do you make that, you know, if you're filling up your balloon and you don't want it to pop. Say you want it to become stable. You don't want it to be poppable. What do you do? Or deflate it. You deflate it, yeah. You let out the air. So think about spiritually. You let out the bitterness. How do you do that? How do you let out anger? How do you let out hate? Uh, Forgiving people. Yeah, somebody's been cheating. No, I'm just kidding. That's good. No, a a process of doing that is forgiveness. Letting that stuff out. Talking about it Letting that stuff go. The more you build that stuff in, the more you hoard that, you think, I got this, I can control it. The closer you become to exploding. Okay, and I thought it was good that Rick went through bitterness last week. And then I'm like, okay, when you're dealing with bitterness, how do you get through bitterness? The root problem with bitterness is a lack of forgiveness. You're bitter at somebody. You're so angry at somebody. You hate somebody even to the point where you wish they were dead. And it gets to a point where you just come to a point, breaking point and you just explode. You lash out. Do you guys know anybody like that? Are you guys like that sometimes? We all are susceptible to that. And I thought this was a simple illustration of seeing, you know, we think we have it in control. And some of us, we tie our balloons. We become so hard-hearted that there's no way to let that air out. We become so callous to counsel. And then all it takes is one little pop. All it takes is one little prick from some wrong situation to pop that balloon and you explode some people can't blow up their balloon like haley because they're so they're so easygoing they don't struggle with bitterness some people few and far between there are people out there that can't blow up a balloon just like there are people out there that might not struggle with this as much but the majority of us can blow up a balloon (laughs) and struggle with bitterness and anger and hatred in some form or another so i thought it was a funny little illustration to get us started so again series so seeing through God, god's eyes so introduction many would say all oh, you guys have study sheets correct yeah. Yeah. all right many would say by way of introduction that one of the hardest things to do as a human being is offering forgiveness it goes against the natural grain of our flesh which desires vengeance we are very good at keeping a running tab of all the things that individuals have done, wrong to, have done to wrong us, or so we think, which ultimately turns into bitterness, as was discussed last week. What we lose sight on is how this drastically affects our walk, testimony, and ultimately our walk with God. As we'll see tonight, it's very difficult to be unforgiving towards others and maintain an intimate and open relationship with the Father who has forgiven us of everything. Pretty stark contrast between the traits of our father and us. We're gonna look at that tonight. You remember the lady said about the one girl that. I don't know. damn it! I don't know. We'll just follow along with the lesson. So we're looking at forgiveness tonight. So you guys are in Ephesians chapter four. Let's look at verse thirty-one says let all bitterness there's that word and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking so all that stuff that goes into our balloon all that air what do we need to do with it be put away from you with all malice get out get rid of it let it all out and be kind one to another tender hearted and here's the key forgiving one another how do we do that why can we do that even as god for Christ's sake hath forgiven you You know, we have no excuse not to forgive somebody. We have been forgiven of much. We've been forgiven of everything. And when people wrong us, and even sometimes we think they wrong us, and we have a hard time forgiving them when we realize that God has forgiven us of everything. All right, so on your study sheet, forgive. I like the definition in Webster's 1828. It says to pardon, to overlook an offense as if the offense never happened. So just like in that balloon, it's almost when you put air in that balloon and you let it out, that balloon looks like it never had air in it. It's as if there was never anything in it. Okay, but the key is so think about this spiritually. What is our offense? Who can quote Romans three twenty three? So for all have sinned and come short of, excuse me, of the glory of God. So we're all guilty of sin. And then what are the wages of that? What's the penalty for sin? Who knows six twenty okay. three, For the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord the wages what we earn the offense the penalty for sin is death all right flip over to james chapter one hold on buddy we'll get there we'll get the answer we'll get the answer we'll look at it all james chapter one james chapter one verse I like the well I don't like the process here, but it's very descriptive. Verse 15, very familiar. Uh, can I do it? You want to read it? Yeah. Go yes. ahead, bud. And yeah, sin when, when it is finished, forth. So we see that process. So we have an opportunity, lust comes up. We lust after something to do wrong. So we have a decision to make. Do we do it? Yes, we sin, and sin when it's finished, it brings forth death. It has to. Okay. Even though God has forgiven us, did our sin go without payment? Did our sin go without a penalty? No, that penalty is still there. That sin, or else the Bible would be a liar. That sin has to have death somehow. Okay. But what death ultimately paid that price? Jesus Christ. Sometimes we forget that. We think God forgave us of our sins. In other words, we sinned, God looked at that and said, Hey, it's all good, I forgive you. Don't worry about it. But it's more than that. He looked at that and said, I forgive you, and I'm going to make that payment for you. I was thinking of a story this week. How many of you guys in here know Scott Pence? You guys know Scott Pence? So he, uh, he ran into a little bit of trouble a couple years ago. Long story short, he was standing before a judge, and he's weeping, and he's broken about what he did. And he's looking at the family, and he's apologizing for what happened. You know, and they're saying, you know, we forgive you, Scott, blah, blah, blah. And he looks at the judge And the judge looks at him and says, Scott, I forgive you. Family, I forgive you. Does that mean he can just walk out that courtroom? No, there was still a price that had to be paid. And he had to go to jail. Just like for your sin, there was a price that had to be paid. And he went above and beyond. He forgave us and he paid that price for us. Forgiveness without paying the price really is null and void. God went that extra mile and sent his son to pay that price for us. So number one, the need for forgiveness. So we just touched on it a little bit. Your first check mark, our eternity depends on it. Flip over to Acts chapter 26. Our eternity depends on it. So kind of the basics about forgiveness. Why do we need it? What's the need for it? Let's start in verse 15. So this is Paul talking. It says, and I said, so he's he's recounting his testimony to, to uh, Agrippa. And I said, he's coming to the end of it. Who art thou, Lord, when Jesus Christ came to him? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Then verse 16, but rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. To make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen. And of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Paul was sent to the Gentiles to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Look at the contrast here. And from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive what? Forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by, by faith that is in me. You have to receive that forgiveness. So you hear it a lot too. You know, people, you walk around and ask people about God. Well, God loves all. He forgave everybody of all their sins. No, that's something that you actually have to receive. He forgave us of our sins and you have to receive that. You have to accept that. Again, God wants the free will, the choice. But it's absolutely necessary. Our eternity depends on it. If he didn't give us away, if he didn't forgive us of our sins and then pay that price, think about where we'd be spending eternity, and rightfully so. Forgiveness is huge in God's eyes, and we struggle with it so much here on this earth. Flip over to Romans chapter 4. a couple pages, you're right. Our whole eternity depends on this issue of forgiveness. Verse 7, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. So again, talking about Christians, our iniquities, they're forgiven, our sins, they're covered. It's like being in that courtroom. Okay, so rewind back to Scott standing in that courtroom. Had the judge looked at him and said, Your sins are forgiven. And then in our court system, if somebody was able to come in and say, Look, I know what he did. I forgive him and I want to pay that price for him. That's what God, that's what Jesus Christ has done for us spiritually. So you think about that, the picture of forgiveness and what He has forgiven us from, from all the sins that we've done, all the sins that we're doing right now, and what we're going to continue to do. And then think about the things that you're holding on to that other people have done to you. I want that to be in the back of your mind. Think about all that air, all that anger, malice, bitterness that you're holding up. What are you struggling to forgive? And then think about what Christ didn't even hesitate to forgive us. Flip over to Colossians chapter 2. This one really paints a nice courtroom picture. I love this one. Verse 13, says, And you being dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, made alive, together with him. Why? How? Having forgiven you all trespasses. And then verse 14, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. All the law, so when you stand, stand up before God, you have all these ordinances that are against you, Jesus Christ blotted them out the day that you got saved. Which was contrary to us, went against us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. That old testament law, that law that finds us guilty, was nailed to the cross. It was gone, it was killed. Too often we forget that, we forget to live that way. And then we're not going to turn there, you guys are familiar. We just looked at Revelation twenty, verse fifteen on Sunday. What happens to those that aren't they have their ordinances aren't blotted out, except their names blotted out of the book of life? Spend eternity. Whosoever was not found written in the book, the whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast in the lake of fire. That's how serious this deal of forgiveness is. You know, Jesus Christ gives us the perfect picture of that, and it's our eternity. He's forgiven us for an eternity. And again, we can struggle in, in all the minute details, and we ruin the picture. There's so many pictures that God wants to. Flourish through us. I was talking about that with Ethan today in discipleship. You know, I'm reading through Philemon and I'm like, and it's amazing how Paul was such an awesome picture of Jesus Christ of trying to, or Onesimus in that case was such an awesome picture of Jesus Christ stepping in and trying to be, you know, that mediator or trying to speak for Onesimus. And the cool thing with that is it's not like God came down and controlled those people. They were believing the book. They had a close relationship with God and they made those decisions. We can be that same picture of Jesus Christ with this issue of forgiveness. Nothing, there's very few things that can speak louder than forgiving somebody when they know they don't deserve it. That's something that's completely absent in today's world. Think about all the hate that's going on now, all the agendas, all the anger that's going on in school systems. You show somebody an ounce of forgiveness, you will stick out like a sore thumb, and it will go a long, long way. We live in one of the darkest times in history. It's that much easier. When does a light shine brightest? When it's dark out. And it's pretty pitch black outside. It's not hard to display this issue of forgiveness. But it goes against our flesh. Why? Because we think we owe it to them. We think we, we deserve that. We don't deserve anything. It's like Lot said, Naked came I or Job said, Naked came I into this world and naked shall I return thither. He came into this world with nothing. We came into this world as crying little babies. And we're going to leave this world with nothing. We don't deserve a darn thing. But Jesus Christ gives us everything. We ought to be quick to forgive. And that leads us to our next point. Forgiveness brings restoration. Up over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. brings restoration restores fellowship relationships lifestyles verse 44 I'll start in verse 43 it says ye have heard that it hath been said thou shalt not thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy but Jesus talking i say unto you love your enemies bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. How hard are these things? Think about it. Somebody that curses you, yeah, you know what? I want you to bless them. Somebody that hates you, yeah, I want you to do good to them. Then somebody that despitefully uses you and persecutes you, Jesus is saying, I want you to pray for those people. Why can he say that? How can he say that? Because that's exactly what he did when he went up on that cross. He didn't pick a select few people to die for. He died for people that were going to love him. And he died for people that were going to reject him. He didn't die for a select few. He didn't love a select few. And we're called to live the same way. And he calls out the specific group that's the hardest. Those people that persecute you. Those people that curse you. Those people that hate you. I want you to show love to them. I want you to bless them. And I want you to pray for them. You're, if you're thinking of somebody right now that you struggle with, it, you're angry with, it, you're bitter towards, pray for that person. And I'm telling you, God will transform your heart. I remember way back early on in my relationship with Brandy, Jay would always give me advice like that. When you guys are struggling or you're fighting or you're, you're in an argument, take a second, go pray to God that he'll just give you wisdom to get through it, that he'll grab your heart and change your perspective. And whether you're right or wrong, that you'll go through that the right way. And I'm telling you, every time your flesh gets out of the way, your pride gets out of the way, and you give God the driver's seat, completely changes your perspective. Same thing goes for friendships, with parents, I've been there, siblings, family, church. Take those things to God. If you're struggling with bitterness or anger towards somebody, take those things to God and be honest with him. Be honest. And then verse 45, that ye may be the children of your father. Why do you do this? Which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. God is not a respecter of persons. That same son rises over the evil and the good. He does not shield it from the evil and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust, whether they deserve it or not. For if ye love them which love you, what re- reward have ye? It's a lot easier to love somebody that loves you, isn't it? It's very easy for me to love my wife. It's extremely easy for me to love my family, my kids. It can be very hard for me to love somebody that treats them poorly. It can be very hard for me for, to love somebody that treats me poorly. God loves everybody regardless of how they treat him. Do not even the publicans the same? The publicans, the religious, they treat people good that treat them good. You treat them bad, they want nothing to do with you. You had leprosy, you had some issue, you had some lame, yeah, get out of my way. Jesus, when he was on this earth, where did he go? He went to the sick, he went to the common, he went to the people that wanted to hear what he had to say. Verse 47, And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. So forgiveness, it brings restoration. It can draw you closer to those people that you think you could never have a relationship with. So this whole lesson, I still want you to keep thinking about somebody. Somebody that you need to pray for. Somebody that you need to mend a relationship with. Because forgiveness, treating your enemies like Jesus treats the entire world, is the only way that you'll have true restoration with them. No hidden agendas with pure motives, the pure heart, wanting to do what's right, wanting to be a picture of Jesus Christ to them. Because a lot of these people that, at least for me, that I struggle with are lost. And I need to shed them a lot of grace because really they, excuse me, they don't know any better. And then even more so, our brethren in Christ, have blunt conversations with people. Because as we're going to see at the end, this time is short. and We waste a lot of time struggling with bitterness and, and Harbor and all these things, when we could have a restored relationship, restored fellowship with each other, and do the mission that we've been called to do. That's flip, why you flip over to chapter 18. Yeah. That's why I always give people a good chance. Good what? A good chance. Yeah. Always give people the benefit of the doubt. Jesus did that even knowing that they were going to reject him. I can't, I still, it's what manner of love is that? I can't understand it. We can only read what the Bible says and try to be the best picture that we can be. Not to earn our salvation, but to try and win the loss, to try and repay what we can of our debt that we owe for Jesus Christ. Chapter 18. I love this, this parable that Jesus goes through. And I just I want you guys to think, you know, if you were this servant that was with this king. So verse 21 says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, How oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? What kind of question is that? Think about it. You go up to Jesus, and you're like, all right, my brother, I'll give him seven chances. After that, I'm done forgiving him. You think Jesus is like, yeah, that sounds like enough. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee, until seven times, but until 70 times seven, which is what, 490 or whatever? It's a lot of times. In other words, he's saying you keep forgiving him until the day you die. There's never an end. And then he paints a perfect picture here. Look at verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So this person in this kingdom came to the king, and he owed him 10,000 talents. So he had to repay the debt somehow. So him and all his family were going to be sold. Verse 26, this is the servant's response. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Okay, he said, don't worry about it. You don't need to pay the debt. You're forgiven. Verse 28, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest. So what's going on here? This servant, he owed 10,000 talents to the king. What did the king tell him? He forgave him. The guy got down, he repented, he said, look, I'm sorry, I can't pay this back. You know, is there anything else? He's like, he's like don't worry about it. I've forgiven you. Go, go ahead. Now what's this guy doing with one of his other fellow servants? This guy that owes him 100 talents hundred pence or whatever the heck the currency is. He's laying his hands on him. He grabbed him by the throat. He's like, you're going to pay me back. The same guy who was just forgiven 10,000, tenfold or whatever, a hundredfold of what he's requiring of this guy, saying, you're going to pay me back. What's the talent? There's a pence or what? Just think of it like a dollar. You know, he owed owed him an amount of money. Um, So verse 29, let's see how this unfolds. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet. Sounds pretty similar. And besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all, just like this servant did to the king. But verse 30, let's see how he responds. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should, should pay the debt. What a hypocrite. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their lord all that was done. Then his lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desiredst me, shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his, his brother their trespasses. So think about your position as, in being saved. God has forgiven you more than ten thousand. He is forgiven you of forgiving you of everything. Then your fellow servant comes up. Say he wronged you. Say he owes you. Do you have the same same perspective as this servant? Do you struggle with showing that same compassion and that same grace that Jesus has shown you? Maybe. Think about it. Think about how hypocritical that is. We've been forgiven of much. And the littlest things we hold on to. And those little things that we think aren't a big deal, they start to inflate us. And it's little by little by little. And all it takes is one more to ruin your testimony. We're all one decision away. What are you guys holding on to? Forgiveness is the only thing that brings restoration. Think about this scenario, how it would have changed if he would have looked down at him and said, you know what, I just had an interaction with the king and I was forgiven of something that I never deserved to be forgiven of. And he he does the same to him. Think about it. In other words, that... Servant just became $10,000, thousand, we will say dollars because I, pence or whatever, $10,000 richer at that point. And he was getting on a guy for owing him a 100 But we do that every day. We have inherited a fortune in eternity in heaven with God. Yet we're running around this world trying to count our pennies and hold people accountable and things that they owe us and this person wronged me and I'm offended by this. I deserve this. That's not fair. And I know I'm pointing at you guys, but I I struggle with the the same darn things. At work. A lot of unfairness at work. I'll tell you what's unfair. Jesus Christ having to go up on the cross and die for our sins. That's the definition of unfair. But he did it, and he did it willingly, knowing that people would reject him. All right, number two. Godly leaders offer forgiveness. Godly leaders. Flip over to 2 Peter chapter 3. Probably my favorite verse in the Bible. One of them. So, godly leaders offer forgiveness. And then you have two points. The first one is all the time. How many of you guys know what takes place in Luke chapter 15? It's a parable. You know it, Rick. Anybody know what takes place? The prodigal son. Think about it. His father was waiting. Prodigal son could have came back on day one. Prodigal son could have came back on day 30. Father was still waiting for him. He was offering forgiveness all the time. And then you guys are in 2 Peter 3. I am not. Um, I probably could just quote, yeah. So verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, he's patient, to usward not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, God does not sit up there and say, okay, I, you know, I, you've heard the gospel, you all get one opportunity to hear the gospel, and then you're done. Some people, yeah, that's all they get in their lifetime. But God is continually offering forgiveness. There is nothing we can do to ruin that opportunity. As long as you have breath on this earth, God is offering forgiveness to you. God is offering salvation to you. Contrary to what Calvinists believe, that you're either chosen to be saved or not. God is in the business of always offering forgiveness to you. Are we always in the business of offering forgiveness to others? Does that come natural to you? Or do you struggle with that? Is it circumstantial? Does it depend on what somebody does to you? I've read articles about parents forgiving murderers who killed their children. I, can't, I, can't, I, cannot, I cannot imagine that somebody killing my kids, I'm like, my first reaction would be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to murder that guy. But by the grace of God, these people are able to forgive that person. And again, we struggle with little things, but all those little things, they build up and they affect us. They affect our walk. Because we're living hypocritical to what God has called us to live. We're living hypocritical to how he loves us, to how he forgives us. It ought not to be so. And then the next point, godly leaders offer forgiveness no matter what. Um, for time's sake, we're going to, uh, you know, let's jump over to Exodus chapter 32. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Genesis 50. You guys know who Genesis 50 is all about? Who's the awesome type of Jesus in Genesis? Anybody? Joseph. Joseph. Like Josiah, Jonah, Joseph. His brothers, his own brothers sell him into slavery. And he comes back and interacts with them and he forgives them. What's interesting about that is there was repentance involved with that. Exodus chapter 32. We're going to jump around a little bit. We're not reading the whole chapter, but there's some good nuggets in here. So, verse 7. So Moses and Aaron, they're in the wilderness with the nation of Israel. And you know, they're up and down, up and down, up and down, forgetting what God has done. Verse 7. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff necked people. And look at what God says here in verse 10. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them. God does not like sin. He doesn't allow sin. There's a payment for sin. There's a price that my wax, that my wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make of thee a great nation talking to Moses. And then Moses goes on and he pleads for them. And then look down in verse 26. Then Moses, okay, so he came down off the mountain, stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? So they had this molten calf made and he comes out and he draws a line in the sand. And he says, who is on the Lord's side? Who right now wants to make this right? Despite everything that happened, Who wants to be on the Lord's side? Who wants to walk away from this abominable act that you guys have committed? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And then, verse 27, and he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel Put every man his sword by his side, and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. You don't deal with sin. You don't accept God's payment. You don't accept that free gift of salvation. Death is going to be the price that you pay. Jump down to verse 30. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. Think about the the setting here. These guys are down there doing all these abominable acts, being impatient, poor attitudes, whining, and Moses is up having an encounter with God, trying to lead these people. How frustrating do you think that is for Moses? And he says, you know what? Stay down here. I'm going to go make an atonement for your sin. And then verse 31. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gold, gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive, key word, their sin, and if not, Blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. There's a heart. Moses is going up to God saying, God, I pray that you could forgive them of their sin. And if you won't, Lord, you blot me out of that book for their sakes. That's somebody who, who has a close relationship with God. We have a hard enough time forgiving people for little things that offend us. Here's a man who is saying, I offer up my eternity so that you can forgive these people. That should give you goosebumps. Think about eternity. Think about everything that Moses was able to lay down, was willing to lay down for these people. That's a forgiving heart. That's somebody who wants to see people forgiven. Do we have that same heart with people that we're close with? We're not going to turn there in Romans 5.8, but, uh, uh, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. No matter what. Doesn't matter what sin you're involved in. Doesn't matter what sin you've committed. God still forgives us. He died, died for us while we were yet sinners. He did not wait for the right group of people to become perfect and then say, okay, yep, you're good. You're going to follow me. All right, now I'll die for you. Whatever state you're in, Christ died for you. Whatever state somebody is in that has affected you, you ought to be in the business of forgiving them. It goes both ways. Always forgive. Absolutely. So in closing, last point. Are you quick to forgive? Simple personal examination. How much bitterness and anger and malice do you have bottled up in your head that you're just not willing to let go, as the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4? Time is too short and valuable to delay, and it is. And that's something that I preach to brainy we have conversations about. And you guys should think about your friends and your parents Time is so short to be wasting on focusing on bitterness and what's wrong with people. You know, think about even just in your households and with your parents. You know, raise your hand if you're a senior in here. How quick did that time go? I I remember when all you guys were in junior high when I was in there. You know, and think back about all the time that's been wasted. And all the advice that you can give people about all the petty arguments that you guys have had. And that's not, I'm not saying that to depress you. Trust me, I look back and there's, I have a lot of regret. And the key is you look at those, you look at that regret and you turn from that. You change, you tell people about it. And that's really a lot of times what we're doing up here. Trying to share with you the mistakes that we've made. Time goes so quick. There's petty arguments I've had with my wife, with my parents, with even my kids, my siblings, and people in this church. And it Damages fellowship for a season, for a time when there is a great mission that needs to be done, and forgiveness is something that hinders that. It delays it because you are too focused on you, what hurts you, the bitterness, the things that you deserve. How life is unfair. How how they deserve to get theirs. It ought not to be so. We're not going to turn there, but in Proverbs chapter twenty-seven, verse one, you know it says that we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't know what a day going to bring. In Ephesians chapter 4, I think we looked at that two weeks ago. You know, it says, Let not the sun go down on thine anger, neither give place for the devil. The devil will use your heart if you don't have a forgiving heart. He will use that to, to ruin relationships in your life. You will get in arguments and ruin relationships and look back and you're like, how the heck did I ever get here? It was all over this. It was all over a social media post. It was all, whatever it was. Something small can fill up, fill up, fill up, fill up, fill up, and then explode. And it usually starts pretty small and manageable. It's like a weed. Deal with it while it's small. Forgive it. Get rid of it. If you can't, have a conversation with somebody. Relationships with people, with family, with brethren in this church are far too valuable to waste on petty arguments. Be Be in the business of forgiving people as Christ has forgiven you of everything that you've ever done. All right, let's pray. Dear God, as is all these uh, messages as as I prepare them, Lord, they're very convicting. Because these are things that I struggle with on a daily basis. God, you set the perfect standard with your son. and, And I was thinking about it today. You know, couldn't there have been another way other than sending your son to die on a cross and there wasn't? Lord, sin has a payment that has to be paid, and it's death. And your son was the only sufficient sacrifice, God, and you didn't have to do that, but you loved us enough, and you forgave us of much, Lord. I pray that we would be in the business of forgiving others of much, that we would paint a perfect picture of of what you've done to us. God, never has there been a time in history that a forgiving heart would reveal more now of what's going on inside of us, God. There's a battle going on between our flesh and your spirit. And I pray that we would yield to the spirit. It would put our pride down, that we would maintain an eternal perspective, knowing that even just by forgiving somebody, Lord, a relationship could be restored and somebody that's lost could find you and get saved. We could change the whole course of eternity just by being, just by being forgive, forgiving. So God, I thank you. I thank you for your son and what just, I know personally you forgiving me, forgiven me of, and I pray that I would try and uh, try and display that to others, Lord. And I know that I can't do that on my own, and I pray that everybody in here would realize that they need your heart inside of them to have the same heart as Moses, to have the same heart as David, and as your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we do pray. Amen. Like